Well, welcome to Covenant Baptist Church. For those of you who are visitors today, we are so stoked to have you join us for worship this morning. If you are new here, we are going through a series called Fish Stories and Flannel Boards, and it is the major stories of the Bible, all of them telling one story. And I, I use that word story, but I always want to reiterate, in no way am I saying that these are just myths or fairy tales. These are historical events as recorded in God's Word. And these stories, these tellings of historical events make up one large story of God's salvation plan, his love for his people and his way for his people, his way to save his people. And today we find ourselves in the book of Joshua as he assumes leadership of the people of Israel after they have come out of Egypt, been saved from the slavery of Egypt, the Exodus, as it's called, as they've wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and now 40 years later, after having left Egypt, they find themselves once again at the border of the promised land. And whereas some 39 years earlier they failed to enter, they are going to enter in faith now. There's a story told of a condemned prisoner awaiting execution, and as is uh, normal practice, he was being offered the privilege of choosing his last meal. He could have whatever he wanted for his last meal, and so as he had that opportunity, he ordered a large plate of mushrooms. That's all he wanted. And one of the guards inquired of him, wondering, why in the world would you get mushrooms? Of all things you could have, why would you order mushrooms? To which the prisoner replied, well, I've always wanted to try them, but was just afraid to eat them before. He had nothing to lose, right? What were they going to do, kill him? What was he going to do, die from eating mushrooms? He was going to die anyway. And in, in the face of death, in the knowledge of your mortality, where you know that life is over anyway, I would venture to guess that there's great courage, or at the very least, foolhardiness, because at that point, what does it matter, right? Did you know that in Christ, your mortal life is forfeit? Did you know that in Christ, you have already faced your death. I have died in Christ and risen with Him. My life is now over, right? That's what happens. Now, not literally, I guess. We're still breathing, right? Our hearts are still beating. But our mortal lives have passed over into immortal lives in Christ. Because both life and death is His. And so as Christians, what are we afraid of? Or maybe a better question is, why are we ever afraid? Joshua had some pretty scary circumstances lying ahead of him. So let's just go to our text this morning. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And when you've turned there in your Bible or on your device, would you stand with me in honor of God's Word if you are willing and able? Katie, I hope it's okay that I share this. 
Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, when my wife reads that or hears that read, she cries. Why? Well, let's read it. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, that's where our title comes from today, one courageous son of a nun, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Do you hear that? Moses, who had been leading the Israelites for the last 40 years. Do you know that the average tenure of a pastor is about one year? One year is all a pastor stays on average at churches. Because here's the thing, some, church, some pastors stay a lot longer, right? Which means that there's a lot of pastors who have to stay a lot less than a year at a church. And I know there are some churches, and thankfully, Covenant, you've been very generous and gracious with me as your pastor. You haven't been one of those, past, one of those churches that just say, well, pastors come and go, and we don't really care. We'll take them. We'll leave them. Eh, it's just a pastor. You've been very gracious to me, and I am so very thankful for that. But there are times when a pastor or a leader leaves, and people are grateful, and, and there are sometimes when pastors leave when churches are very sorrowful. You know, when pastors usually stay a very short time, maybe it's sad, but it's not hard because it just hasn't been long enough to develop the bonds that time develop. But think about a pastor or leader who has been there for 40 years years. This was tough. There was a comfort level in in Israel and in Joshua just having Moses there all the time. I mean, he's just always there. He always takes care of it. He's the one that goes and talks to God for us. He's the one that tells us what to do and and, and kind of where to go. The, 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 The pillar, God's presence through the pillar of smoke and fire dictated that more. But Moses was there to tell us what to do to encourage us, to lead us. And all of a sudden, do you hear this this morning? Moses is dead. He's gone. It's over. You don't have him to rely on or to look to anymore. Joshua, now it's you. Do you feel that this morning? This is a significant moment. Moses, who is the first covenant giver, the, 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 law, the great lawgiver, right? These are some big shoes that Joshua has to fill. Picking up in verse 2, God speaking to Joshua, Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the lands of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Now, I've underlined these up on the screen because I want you to see how many times God calls Joshua to courage. 
Verse 6, be strong and courageous. There's one. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. There's two. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. That you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? There's three. Do not be frightened. There's four. And do not be dismayed. There's five. For the Lord your God is with you. Wherever you go, you may be seated. Now, we are dealing with the entire book of Joshua here. So as I say each week, we're not going to read the whole thing, obviously. And we're going to look at a few stories, a few events in this narrative. There's so many in Joshua. Of course, we have the crossing of the Jordan where the Jordan parts, just like it did with Moses. And, and it's, it's really cool here because I think God is affirming Joshua's leadership because it's almost a replay of what happened at the beginning of Moses' leadership with the people right? They take him to this body of water that seems like they wouldn't be able to cross to get to their destination. And God validates Moses' leadership by parting the Red Sea and the people go across safely. Well, now here, Joshua has started his leadership and God kind of resets the scene, right? Just as I did with Moses, I will be with you. God just says that here in chapter 1 and almost in the exact same way that he was with Moses and the way he worked through Moses, he does it through Joshua because they cross the Jordan River. They tumble the walls of Jericho. They begin to destroy the inhabitants of the promised land. Of course, he sends two spies into into Jericho to spy it out. Rahab, the prostitute, helps them and hides them. So many great stories throughout the book of Joshua, and we're not going to be able to cover them all. So I would just encourage you, if you haven't already this past week, to read the book of Joshua this week, throughout your week. Such great tales, true tales of God's faithfulness. And of the courage that comes out of a trust in God's faithfulness. Just real fast, a map here. I just put it up here again. The same one we looked at last week. You can just kind of see. Remember, remember, they originally came here to the border of Kadesh Barnea 39 years ago. They did not cross. They were too scared. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Now they're going to come up here through Moab up to Abel. It's called Shittim there. And they're going to cross the Jordan River over into Jericho. And so that's the route that they're taking this time, getting ready to cross the Jordan River, going over into Jericho. And, and, and what I want to do with our remaining time this morning is just show you three lessons from the story of Joshua and his leadership. Three lessons from the story of Joshua and his leadership. The first lesson that I want to point out to you today is this, lessons about faith from Joshua's life. So I say three lessons. There's actually many more than that because I'm going to give you the headings, lessons from Joshua's 
faith or lessons about faith from Joshua's life. Now, I debated whether or not to say lessons about faith or lessons about courage because that's really what I'm honing in on today is this courage, this idea of courage that Joshua had, one courageous son of a nun. And he had so much courage, and we see it throughout all of his life. But, but here's the thing. I, I, I decided to go with faith because courage stems from faith. We can't have courage unless we first have faith. And when we talk of faith and courage, we need to distinguish between the two. Now, of course, they are related. No doubt, they are related. And, and to call for one is to call for the other. But they are subtly different. When God calls Joshua to be strong and courageous, he is most certainly calling Joshua to faith. But whereas faith is a quality, courage is an outcome. Faith is the substance. Courage is the result. Faith is the foundation, the base on which courage grows and is sustained. When faith acts out, courage is the result. And if we desire to be courageous, we must have a foundation of faith on which to build courage. Again, faith is the foundation and courage is one of the activities of faith. And by that I mean that courage is only known by the actions it plays itself out through, right? No one can be said to have courage unless they act with courage, unless they act courageously. And without faith, the appearance of courage or boldness is mere foolhardiness. Did you, did you hear what God said to Joshua? I think it's in verse 6. Be strong and courageous. No, verse 7, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. So you get it, right? The only way into courage, to act rightly, courageously, courage that leads to success and, and victory is a courage that navigates through the word of God. And it is not a courage that departs from it because courage without faith is simply foolhardiness, right? I I can be bold in a lot of things that can be absolutely wrong. And that's really just insanity, right? To be courageous in sin is to be simply stupid. I can... I can get on top of the pinnacle of this church up here by the cross in front and and courageously jump off, but I promise you it's going to end poorly for me, right? And your pastor's tenure will end at this church. If not because I die, because you'll go, yeah, I don't think he's fit to lead anymore. (laughs) He's an idiot. So courage can only be true courage when it is founded in faith and obedience to God. So let's look at this faith that led to courage in Joshua's life. Just some lessons about Joshua's faith. Well, first, let's just look at his displays of faith, right? What happened? Well, he assumed leadership over the people. This was, this was scary, right? This was daunting. This rebellious, complaining, infuriating 
annoying people. Now, now we're going to see this people acts very differently than they did with Moses. Praise God, right? They follow Joshua. They're ready to go. They do everything he says to do, for the most part, most of them. But Joshua doesn't know that at first. He doesn't know what's going to happen. All he knows is Moses is dead, and now I'm supposed to be in charge. What? But he assumes leadership. He doesn't balk at it. He doesn't turn away. He says, God, if that's what you want, I'm in. He rightfully responded to God's presence. I love this. In chapter 5, the end of chapter 5, the video referenced it. Joshua is by Jericho. He's outside of Jericho. And he comes upon this man, who he thinks is a man, dressed in military dress, right? A fierce warrior-looking character. And Joshua says, are you for us or are you against us? Are you an adversary, a friend, or a foe? And it's interesting that the commander says, no, (laughs) neither, really. Now, we're going to find that he's Joshua's friend, but not because of Joshua's leadership, right? He doesn't fall under Joshua's authority. This is what he's saying here. I am in authority. And the real question is, are you a friend or foe? Are you on my side? Not am I on your side, because this isn't your side. This is my side, and that's what matters. Joshua, are you on my side? And we find out that this is no mere... uh, uh, officer of some human army. This is the commander of the army of the Lord. And and most scholars think that this is a pre-incarnate Christ, that this is actually Jesus coming down in the form of a man before he came to redeem the world as a baby on that first Christmas night. He is standing before the Lord himself. And Joshua falls on his face and worshipped him and said, what does my Lord say to his servant? What, what better response is there than to God, than to bow, worship, and say, what do you want me to do, God? Anything. Ask anything and I will do it. That is the only and right response when we are in the presence of God. And here's the thing, church. We are always in the presence of God. For one, He's a God who is omnipresent. We've been teaching those terms to our kids. The omni-attributes of God. Omni simply means all. He is the all-present God. He is everywhere all the time. But not only that, believers, Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, He is in you at all times. By His Spirit, He dwells in you. And so that means wherever you go, you are in His presence. And the question is, is your life defined by worship? And submission to the king. He faced his wall, right? Now this is metaphorical and for Joshua quite literal. He is standing before the wall of Jericho. This, of Jericho, this overwhelming, insurmountable wall. It was so thick, we learn of Rahab that her home was in the wall. She lowers the spies out of her window and it says because she lived in the wall. 
Now, I don't know how many square feet her home had. What I do know is later, after the walls fall down, her section stays. Her family lives. All those who are of her house and in her house, they live. This means that her entire family fit into her home. Now, I don't know, again, how big that is, but obviously quite sizable. That her home could fit in the wall and all her family could fit in that home. This tells you how big these walls really were. And yet Joshua faithfully faced his wall because he was courageous. Or you could say he was courageous because he was faithful. He led the people into the promised land. He walked the walk even when it went against all apparent sanity and sense. How do you defeat this insurmountable wall? How do you take down this powerful people? Remember the first 12 spies? 12, not 10. I made that mistake last week. I'm so sorry. There were 12 spies, not 10. Remember what they said? 10 of them did say this. And there were 10 that said this. They're giants. We're grasshoppers. And now these grasshoppers are going to take on these giants with their giant wall By simply walking around the perimeter. That's our strategy. (laughs) Matt shared with me that when they were fighting, where where were you guys at at the time? Uh, The first Gulf War. And and they're driving into, what's the word again? What's the place again? The Rochambeau? Did I say that right? Okay, see, I was afraid to say it because I knew I would butcher the the name. They were going into Rochambeau and they said the caravan coming in. The smoke or the dust that it stirred up terrified the people of the town. Just the, the dust it stirred up. So perhaps that's something that was going on here just by walking around. But, but I'm telling you, if, 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 our, if our strategy in the Gulf War was, hey, you guys just walk around the town for a few times, that's crazy, right? That's ridiculous, And yet that's what God told Joshua to do. And so he walked the walk even when it went against all apparent sanity and sense. He stood strong. He he took a strong stance against sin. We're going to look at the story of Achan in just a little bit. But Joshua stood against Achan. That was tough and we're going to talk about that. Joshua fulfilled the assignments of God regardless of the call and the cost or what he thought it would cost. The risk involved. Joshua took responsibility for his actions, whether they were right or wrong. Again, we're going to look at another story that happens here in chapter 9 where he makes a covenant with the people of Gibeon. He doesn't know they're of Gibeon at the time, but he makes a covenant with them, which we find out was absolutely against what God wanted Joshua to do. And, And Joshua keeps his covenant, he keeps his word, and he took responsibility for his own actions. And his life was a line in the sand which left no room room for half-heartedness or hypocrisy. You remember at the end of the book, he's speaking to the Israelites, he's about to die, and, and some of them are still have the gods of their fathers and the gods of Egypt in their houses, and he says, go and destroy your gods, go and get rid of all your idols, but if not, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is, this is not just Joshua's words, this is his life. His entire life was a line in the sand saying, I follow God, who do you follow? 
Oh, church, if, if I could wish, if I could say there's, there's one thing I want my life to do, it's that. I want my life, for all who are watching, to say, that guy follows God. There's no question, and he leaves no other option. And, and, and my life, up against his, he becomes a standard. Now, I'm not a standard. Just hear me say that today. But oh, that it were. Oh, that it were a standard by which other people could say, if I could look like that, I know I would follow God. I know I would be following God. Who, Lord, let it be. I was going to talk to you about uh, our, missions, minist- our missions ministry team meeting that's coming up on May 23rd. We had our first meeting at the end of April. The second meeting is scheduled for May 23rd from 6 to 7.30 p.m. And we're going to be talking more about, in fact, we're going to be going deeper and, and doing more strategy in developing a missions team and the missions ministry here at Covenant. And for those of you who uh, feel uh, a leading or a call or um, you're just interested in being a part of that ministry. It doesn't mean you have to be on the team, but want to be a part of that ministry. You're invited to that meeting. We're working with a missions consultant who is walking us and guiding us through this process of building this team and this ministry. And, and, and here's why I brought this up, because this idea of saying, God, we want to go on mission with you, whatever it costs us, this is going to require faith and courage, right? Because it's not going to be easy. Satan will come against us. The world will say, we don't want it, and we don't want you. And just like Joshua, we have a mission before us that's going to require a lot of courage. It will not be easy. It will cost us something. And yet Joshua, this courageous son of a nun, walked boldly into his destiny, into his calling, into his assignment. And and I think the question is still lingering in the air, Covenant Baptist Church, will we? And, And the question that we all have to ask ourselves is, will I? What is my part in this mission? And it's going to cost us something. But by losing a little now, we gain everything in the end. You could say that courageous, selfless living in Jesus is an eternal, uh, with an eternal view is ultimate self-indulgence. I was going to talk about self-indulgence and, and how it is, the, it is the false gospel of this culture, right? It's, it's the chant of our society, Be happy. Take what you want. Get yours, right? Do you. And that's absolutely against the gospel. But, listen, here's the thing. I'm I'm calling you today not to be totally self-sacrificing, but to be totally self-indulgent. Because living with Jesus with an eternal view, looking to his kingdom and his prize and his reward is the ultimate self-indulgence because it comes with the ultimate reward. Amen? Because he is the great reward. And all that he has is good and perfect. And so what will we be willing to do? What will we be willing to give? What will we be willing to courageously face in order to accomplish the mission that God has called us to? We are called to take a land that is foreign and in which an enemy resides. Right? 
the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness, out there, outside of these walls. We have a mission, and, and, uh, and our walls aren't the entrance, our walls are the exit into the land. And when we leave these walls, we must take the kingdom, not by force, not by weapons, not by blood, but by love, by the gospel, by being courageously faithful to our mission. We are called to storm Satan's realm with the weapons of the gospel that we might see souls delivered from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light in whom Jesus is king. I'm looking at the clock and we are not going to get to the other lessons. But that's enough to digest for now, right? Grow group leaders, I'm so sorry. Uh, please be creative and let the Spirit lead you. Be courageous in having the conversations and asking questions. Obviously, all the questions that you have because uh, won't be, um, at least for now, won't work because we didn't get to the rest of the stuff. You can talk about it, but we didn't talk about it this morning. But I have a, I have a feeling the Holy Spirit is going to lead our grow groups in some great discussions this morning. So we still have lessons about hypocrisy from Achan's sin and lessons about making choices from the covenant with Gibeon. And we will get to that in several weeks because next week is Mother's Day. And so we're going to be talking about Mother's Day. We're going to be having some child dedications. Amen. One of my favorite Sundays of the year. The following Sunday is Senior Recognition Sunday. And so Gabe is going to be bringing a message and we're going to be uh, recognizing our seniors. And then uh, I think the week after that, perhaps we will get back to it. Uh, If not, then several weeks down the road. But we will come back to this and pick up where we left off. And so, my friends, I charge you in the presence of God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to walk out of these walls with courage founded in faith. Satan is going to come against you, right? Amen? The world is going to stand in your way. Giants will approach you. Walls will be in your way. And you must, in faith, courageously press forward. And and when the time is right and when you need to know, God is going to tell you exactly how to take down those giants and how to tear tear down those walls. But in the meantime, don't stop moving forward. Don't stop accepting the assignment that our commander is giving us today to go and to make disciples. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen.